Welcome to the Ivy Podcast. We're just two aunties sharing our experience through the lens of one Blackfoot woman and one Anishinaabe woman. And we are Indigenous Vision, an educational nonprofit based in Montana and Arizona. We are 100% Indigenous led, and this is our podcast. Check us out at indigenousvision.org to learn more about our work, make a donation, or play back any of our radio shows and this episode. Hello, everybody. Hi, Melissa. It feels like it's been forever. Welcome back to the Indigenous Vision podcast. This is it's the end of the year. How are you? I'm really, really good. I'm really excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this recording session for the past few weeks. And um, I'm kind of glad the holidays are almost over. So yeah, this is episode 49. We're ending it off like literally on the last day of 2021. I'm Melissa, by the way. <laughs> I'm Suta. I don't know. How are you? <laughs> How have you been? Um, oh my goodness. December has been really, really tough for me. Um, you know, I spend a lot of my time doing the projects because mm-hmm. I'm like grant writer, employee director. It's been recently that I have to focus on like really tightening up what we preach, organizational management, and that being led with culture humility. And so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really tough job when you have to, you know, walk the talk, turn around and look at yourself. <laughs> walk the talk. That's like my motto um, recently is really trying to live what I preach and what I talk about. Even when I post and share on social media, like I'm really committed to walking the talk and being authentic. Yes. So what are your, what's your biggest um, like action towards your own version of authenticity? Just to proceed with that every day I wake up because sometimes I forget, I get really caught up in stuff. Like I'm, I have a wild imagination, so I get really caught up. I, you know, fantasize a lot. I daydream. So I I spend a lot of time in the morning just being like, okay, look around you, see all the amazingness that is surrounding you and let's continue on this path. Instead of getting wrapped up in the negative, like mental cycles I can get caught up in. So that's what I'm going to be doing this year every day. Yes. Yes. And it's so exciting to hear you say that because I'm doing kind of like a parallel journey to that (laughs) as well. And I'm I'm so excited. I could barely talk about it. It's like rewiring yourself. And it's, remember the last episode or maybe before that we talked about Vegas nerve reset and, and that's you, you reset your nervous system to how you experience the world. And it's really crazy. If you don't reflect, reflecting is a tool, like it's not theoretical work. It's, it's a real tool that you do to dive deep into why you are the way you are. (laughs) And it's really not comfortable work at all because Um, ultimately, you know, there's hard things in life, hard people in life, but it's all comes down to like how you react to it and how you get yourself through that. And if you get stuck on it and then keep repeating that same cycle over and over again and getting up every day with that intention to just like, this is who I am. This is the amazing things I've done is so beautiful to hear because I need to do that myself and remind myself that, you know, I've worked really hard. And mostly I think when we talk about, so this episode, we were going to talk about intentions and highlights every single, so I'm like goal oriented, like that hashtag goal getter, right? Like, and then, but I don't achieve the goals that I don't have like my best intentions for like a, it's like somebody else's goal almost. If I don't set my own, like my own reasons why, like deep personal, this is why I'm doing it. And so yes, environmental justice and clean water and watershed assessment tools and knowing where significant sites are around the land, that's all guided by a dream that I had when I was a nine-year-old girl. And every day I, I do often have to, I don't do it every day, but I have to remind myself like, that's what this work goes back to that one little message of these sweet beaks or water people can travel anywhere in the world and be anywhere to protect me and probably everybody else, but they're having a little bit of trouble. And so 
my daydreaming fantasizing like otherworldly self is like thinking well I have to I have to do what I can on this side and there's a there's the unseen world and that's what makes life so beautiful I think is that we're just kind of like this super ultra unique once in a million speck of dust (laughs) exactly Uh, going through this life that that there are aspects of this world that we don't even aren't even aware of and so um it's setting that intention and going back and practicing that daily thing of like this is who I am this is the amazing things I can do and I have done and I am so excited about what's to come like all of the amazing things that haven't even come yet like I know I know they're coming right because amazing things happen all the time like even if it's just you know you go into some town and you expect racism and then you meet somebody really nice. And I'm like, wow, good things happen all the time. And so I just try to rewire my brain. Like if I get that negative thought, that's like part of my old self that I'm trying to rebuild as I disrupt the thought, like, you know, it's hard. You, You go about your day and you're programmed to react to something. And if you don't, acknowledge it and disrupt it and then reprogram yourself by thinking you know what that was a very cruel person or something you know let's not even call them names like that was that person's journey they were on to reflect on my abilities or character that way and I don't have to adopt that thinking because I have all of this other evidence that it's otherwise and so it's just like catching that thinking and reprogramming it and then I think I think my biggest intention for this entire next year because I'm a mommy (laughs) is to all of this work that I've been doing. And I've been consciously doing this work, I guess, you know, for over 20 years, I'm uh, not that old. I'm 38 winters old. I've survived 38 winters, but um, I've been consciously doing this work for about 20 years is trying to slough off that old energy. And now this year, my intention is going to be uh, walking the talk and showing that and vocalizing that to my son. So who he, so he doesn't have to do the work and he just is raised with that's how we do this. Beautiful. Yes. So that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Wow. That's pretty deep, amazing work. Yeah. I love hearing about your water dream as well. So I've, when you mentioned that, I was like, yes, living with the purpose, walking with the purpose. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then walking the talk, like I, after, I guess about 10 years ago, I had, after I had that dream, I was thinking about master study and becoming like even more of a scientist. I guess I call myself a rogue scientist right now. I'm just kind of started at an organization and then kind of go off and do these projects that are actually passion projects, but have really significant um, data and contribution to scientific Western thought, which is cool. That's a highlight. That's a highlight. We got an environmental justice <laughs> uh, EPA grant. Beautiful vision. Yes. And, and for the first time, well, not for the first time ever, there's lots and lots of literature out there about how the health of our environment and the health of our, our surroundings, like habitat, whether we're talking about humans or habitat, let's, let's just be very general and vague. The quality and the health and the tone, frequency, those vibrations, everything about our environment is impacting our health. You made me think about like even just cleaning up my house and keeping on detailing and deep cleaning and throwing things away that aren't useful anymore. Yeah. I mean, we're carrying so much literally and both emotionally. And I think we don't tie those two things together. And, you know, like, you have you ever been to someone's house who's kind of like a pack rat? Yes. <laughs> yes. Like when I see that, I'm like, whoa, I wonder how much they're carrying emotionally as well. When I whoa. see all this stuff, you know, like that's where my mind goes. I'm like that. I'm, I'm like oh the worst goodness. guest. But that's like, you know, when we're talking about assumptions, like in culture, humility, that's like kind of, that's what we do. We do visual cues. And then if you think, think about it, every single little piece of junk on your cupboard has an emotional memory to it. A reason why I don't want to get rid of it. Because I'm someone who's guilty (laughs) so many times. Like I showed up to America with like three bags and a kitty cat and I had to rebuild. So I know what it's like to let go of like 
stuff you've had forever, multiple Mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. So when I see that, I'm like, wow, when I see some people that I visit and they have like boxes and boxes of stuff that they haven't touched in years, I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, or maybe I just don't understand, you know, maybe our connection to the stuff is different than some other people's connection to stuff. That's totally awesome and and totally rational like it's yeah the way we experience the way you and I experience mm-hmm. we're we're friends because we we're on the same page we vibe yes but the other people don't think the way we do and so you know totally maybe. don't and like I don't even bring it up like I just started a new job another one of my highlights of the year was I became a waitress in Vegas something that I've kind of always wanted to do, which might sound strange to someone like, why would you want to be a waitress in Vegas? It's just something I've always kind of wanted to do because it feels like I kind of am a part of this community now, but I became one and like, no one has the same kind of like mentality as me. So I don't even go there with people I'm meeting now. Cause it's just way too deep. It's way too like far-fetched of a paradigm. It seems then the majority of people live in you know? So mm-hmm. when I share details about myself now, I just try and like, I just keep it real simple. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm a podcast producer and I'm a voiceover artist and I'm a cultural humility trainer. And that's immediately, once I just say that, they're just like, Whoa, what's that? <laughs> yes. I'm yes. like, I can't even go too deep into it, but it's hard work. You know, I've had people, um, you know, close people to me weaponize culture humility. And like, if they're not happy with me or my actions, they're like, that's not very culture humility of you. And I'm like, dude, (laughs) well, I don't know. Maybe you need to sit and reflect for a couple minutes to figure out why you feel that way. Right. As I said that, you know, and even me thinking like, thinking about why I'm thinking that about why they might be thinking that, oh my goodness, that's a lot of thinking. It's like, <laughs> as I said that, you see how my thinking and my, my, my perception of it is I got kind of bouncy and I started pointing my finger and that's part of a, that's a, mm-hmm. that's one of the tools of culture humility is to stop shaming or blaming. And I just, it's, I don't know if it's, we frame it in culture humility as in just this meeting or just this gathering, mm-hmm. or you know, just this interaction, don't shame or blame. But as a lifestyle, it's, it's a whole different lifestyle if you start looking at your life and why things are the way they are, and then take out shaming and blaming for that in your life. Yeah. Your life is a direct result of all of the actions that you've taken to get there. Like it's a, the sum of all the choices you have made. And for me, it's actually pretty good. You know, I really got caught up this summer, especially when I got really down about, you know, being so isolated and the borders all still messed up. I like lost track of all of the amazingness that I had done. And I, in hindsight now I'm like, whoa, I need to really get a grasp on that kind of thinking. So that's my biggest intention this year is to just keep remembering and reminding like, come on, Melissa, you don't got to go down and spiral every time, you know, the world seems heavy. Like you're in this amazing place and position Mm -hmm. in life. And yeah, you're separated from your family and yeah, the virus is raging on, but you're still doing really, really well. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's like a huge reason to just keep doing the work. I think. Yes. Yes. And that's why, you know, that's why I love you is, is I, (laughs) in all of this reading, we share some reading and then we do our own side thing. And one of the things I read is that self-discipline was the highest form of self-love. And, (sighs) and I was trying to find an argument with it. (laughs) Like, no, sometimes you just need to relax. It's hard. You know, like when I took on the vegan lifestyle, that was probably the hardest part. And it's like continuing to make those choices, even though there's like a little part in you that says, but don't you just want to have like a cheesecake? You know, like (laughs) you're like, no, I have to like, think about where the cheesecake came from and stuff like that. But what I'm also really trying to do this year is like my assumptions get really out of control, especially with this new job. Like every single person I am like interacting with, there's just like 15 assumptions that just flare up immediately. And I'm like, calm down. You don't know anything about this person. Like, and it just really 
once you start working with cultural humility and stop yourself during those thoughts, it's pretty incredible, like how often and how many assumptions you make just going about life, even just in a restaurant. Yes, and that seems to be the most exciting, turbulent, like most possible, like it's, it's actually always in all of the trainings that we've been doing over the last two or three years the assumptions exercise is the hardest for people to do because we don't, first of all, we don't even want to admit that we make assumptions. Mm -hmm. I'm a nice person. I'm a nice person. You know, people are like, (laughs) don't judge. I'm not judgmental. It's so frowned upon to be judgmental. Well, I say I am judgmental and I judge everything around me every day. And I do make assumptions and I call myself out on them now. You know, I'm like, was that really fair, Melissa, to just assume that this person or you thought this person was like this because of this? Like, it just goes on and on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Walk in the talk, walk in the talk. Yeah. But that's, I mean, you can see Melissa and I are pretty, we must be desensitized a little bit to the idea of like critically reflecting our own assumptions and where those came from. And, And well, the fun part about it folks, everybody, (laughs) is that you're not a bad person for having assumptions and prejudice. You learned it from somewhere. And that's what you learn in the critical reflection. And, and it's, it's not work to make you feel guilty or shameful. It's work to almost alleviate you of some of the pressure and baggage that we carry around as people that you got these bad habits, you got these bad thoughts from somebody who never learned to check them. Exactly. And when you think about the society that we're raised in and just how the system is just everywhere in your face, I mean, it's really not our fault that we are this way, but it is up to us to change it. And I am committed to that change for myself personally. And I can only do it for myself. I can't like sit here and preach it to other people. Like Mm -hmm. I I even thought like, I even thought I could do that before, but now in hindsight, I'm like, no, I can only be responsible for myself, which is why I got into cultural humility because it for me was the only tangible way to like make an impact in the world is with other people who are actively seeking to change Mm -hmm. themselves. And I can't just you know, blast it out on a podcast and be like, you need to all be this way. You need to all try this. It's like, no, you can do whatever you want, actually, but we're going to be here doing this and you are more than welcome to join us. Yes. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And that's going to make the lifetime of difference for me and you and everybody is like, okay, you don't want to call this your soul tribe, right? Like, I think, I think everybody wants to steer away from using that kind of verbiage and, and description. (laughs) But you meet your people, right? You meet yeah. like people who are just familiar. Um, and it is, it's not like Soul Tribe. It's like people you've always known. They're easy to get along with. You grow with them. Like these hard topics that we talk about, how I have shitty characteristics. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse my <laughs> language. But I have you, you know, I have them. And it's, it's because I am empathetic and I go around the world and what makes me feel good is helping other people. And I get, I get fulfillment from other people being helped. And, and, and then I have, there's a very fine line of like being that rescuer, right. And not letting them do the work or grow. And, and I don't know where I'm going with this, but (laughs) you're reflecting, you're reflecting out loud. Yes, but it's just it's just hard work and it's not to shame or blame. It's just to really become the best version of you and leaving all of the stuff that has never it's it's holding you back. It really is. Like you're just getting in your or I have to speak for myself. Mm-hmm. I'm getting in my own way most of the time. And I have yeah. to like realize that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my goodness. We are so deep. See, this is why like <laughs> we're like mostly alone because we're so <laughs> deep and like people don't want to go this deep. It's really uncomfortable. You know, like I have to really check my conversation style when I'm meeting new people because I have to automatically gauge like can this be a deep conversation or if I just say something deep is it going to get weird and quiet, which is usually what happens. You know, like <laughs> people just aren't ready for deep right now. I don't think Oh, I think another assumption. Yeah. Right. Another. (laughs) I know. Oh my goodness. Just everywhere. 
but it's it's true like I mean you look at the news and they tell you you know and everybody forgets right now like it's kind of a, a weird time like and <laughs> I just watched uh Leonardo DiCaprio's Don't Look Up I don't oh, know if you got to see that no yet. I watched The Matrix instead but I've heard about it so it's how was it just like real life like it's so strange that people politicize like something that's life or death Ugh. to me that's really weird like really it's like very life, American life or death like, yeah like that's what I've noticed as someone who is not an American as soon as I came here it was like everything could be politicized I'm like what can't we just be without having to be on that side or this side or have right. to like align with those characteristics that you just right. assume that I'm going to be a part of if I reject something terrible. I, I don't want to say words. That's why I'm being vague. But uh, that's it. well, the newscasters on that were perfect. Like because I've been told um, one time in in college, I did a really fun fish study, and it was assessing the level of oxygen and gravel for spawning fish in a in a stream that had been heavily like it's the most uh, you know controlled stream in our area. So it's a big deal if fish are spawning in there. <laughs> Things, things go extinct. These are fish are, are, are threatened. But the news told me, sorry, if it's not like gory or have an element of danger or death, then, then the, the public doesn't want to hear mm. about it. It's too fluffy bunny. She called it fluffy bunny. Yeah. And I was like, oh, but they're, they're an endangered fish and they're spawning and they're successfully spawning. And she's like, yeah, fluffy bunny. And I'm like, so uh, don't look up is like, like they make hats that say, don't look up. And the president of the United States was like, we, we will sit back and assess the situation of this big comet coming towards earth. And, <laughs> and wow. the scientists aren't being listened to. And there's all this kind of, I don't believe in the politics of the end of the world. They're just trying to scare us and raise the stocks, blah, 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 blah. Like, like it's just so real. And now, and people are, are really uncomfortable with thinking why like even like there's so many spin-offs that could go off of this one movie and just the make america great hat again like what america are you talking about exactly <laughs> like what version of america was great that you want to bring it back again exactly you know that just reminds me of like I remember doing a bit on my radio show because again, we, when you work in media, you got to keep your topics. Like, like that lady said, fluffy and fun and blah, blah, blah. But we did this thing like, what were, how, where would you go if you had a time machine? And I said, wait a second, if we go back in a time machine, cause we were all indigenous. I'm like, do you realize if we go back like 50 years, what that's going to mean for us, you know, like that, that version of Canada would be pretty brutal for us. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's just to show like this country isn't great for us, but it might yeah. have been great for the colonizers and settlers. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. We all have our own different versions mm -hmm. of great. And yeah, it's cool to start a club, <laughs> but it's also cool to recognize that uh, everybody has their own version of what you're pushing too, and, and that it can't be that one uh, versus all. And I had a, <laughs> I had a really good discussion with myself <laughs> the other day. Um, you know, I was thinking somebody had brought up like, you know, um, I, I struggle. One of my biggest fears is, is the church, the organized church and religion. And, and it's because of mass graves. I, I grew up near one, a starvation winter grave, and then all of the boarding schools um, in my area have graves behind them. As of right now, there are over 7,900 uh, children found in this massive um, ground search behind the schools. That's a whole community, like mm -hmm. it's a whole nation of people. Yeah, that's where I have a lot of my fear and my assumptions about people is it's stemming from this church. So I constantly try to challenge my fears and, and relating back to this don't look up movie. It's it's and then this conversation I had with myself, this deep conversation about my own Blackfoot spirituality and these other religions. And then how Tutu, his quote of we 
they handed us the Bible and we closed our eyes to pray. And when we opened them, they had the land and, and we had the Bible. Powerful. Uh, yes. And I was thinking about that and thinking about how they were really persecuting our ancestors for not believing their way. You know, they started a club and said, these are the rules and this is the way, and we don't like anybody else that doesn't practice this way. And, and then I just felt really grateful for my Blackfoot spirituality, because the thing that was told to me, like just even not even in like a direct way is that, and this is where I might even like love culture, humility more is that we all have our own way. And I, I, it was never taught to me explicitly like that, but I have been told since birth that even the bird people, oh, they have their way. Mm-hmm. The bears, they have their way. Other people, they have their way. And it's like in our stories, the creator put you here and gave you this way. This is the way for your people. Like, like there's all kinds of like they have. So I didn't even realize that my programming then was to be accepting of all others and no matter what they might practice, you know, as long as it's not causing harm or anything like that, hurting your village, your people, yourself, but it's, yeah, just, it's just it, that conversation I had with myself, what kind of reaffirmed how, how I really love, I really love the, the ways that have been handed to me. And when I sit down and critically think on them and think about how they guide my life and how they help me walk the talk, I, I am just extremely grateful for my ability to reflect like that. And reflection is a tool. And I don't know if it's becoming stronger because I feel like, you know, it's a muscle that's, is this, is this a muscle that's exercising? Because I feel like my reflection is getting deeper and deeper. And I just, I appreciate having friends with you. (laughs) Likewise. (laughs) Friends like you to. It's inspiring too, because I, I have to check myself when it comes to the whole religion thing. You know, I'm, I, I also consider myself really blessed that I wasn't raised, um, in a churchy environment. My parents aren't like that. And in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, thank goodness, because what kind of unlearning would I had to have done at this point in my life? But I do. And I have been lately trying to ease up on the whole, seeing them in such a negative light, even though there's such a terrible history of what they've done to our, mm-hmm. our nations and how mm-hmm. it's still affecting like present generations. But at the same time, I'm like, we're, uh, we have to, like we said, we have to practice our, like the Anishinaabe it's compassion, right? Compassion, humility, honesty, and respect. And, and I have been learning to just kind of let people go on their own journey and let, let them do them. You know, Mm -hmm. I can't sit here and judge everybody's decisions. And as soon as I like started to process this, guess what happened? I got a client from my voiceover business who is extremely religious, who wants to work with me doing audiobooks about their religion. So I'm like, whoa, this is like a sign that I have to accept them and collaborate with them. Obviously Mm -hmm. I have no problem taking the money, but it was just like, I'm sitting there and I'm like trying to process all this religious stuff that comes up and triggers me. And then I get this like message, Hey, are you available to do a series of our Christian, you know, audiobook series? And I was like, Whoa, yes, I will help you. I said, sure, I'll help you. So now I've been talking with this very nice lady and um, it's really strange material, though, to me. When I'm reading over it, I'm like, this is a totally different world. But hey, that's their journey. And I, I will help them out with their little books. Right. Everybody has their anybody. own way. Yeah, exactly. everybody has their own way. And I think the, I, the problematic part for me was, okay, it's not the person, you know, uh, it's not the person. Um, it's not the group of people, even it's the system and the history. I think there's a lot of people in that system now who are saying, hold up, we don't like this history. So we're going to make conscious efforts to move towards this way. We're not going to do like missionary trips to Africa. We're going to focus on our community here and all of uh, the, the poverty we have in our own communities. Like that's like, I, you know, there's just some really heartwarming stuff when people who are really actively thinking and then involved and then subscribed to a certain way 
and how they change it, how they have the power as an individual to change that and then impact people like me who have fears and 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 at the same time when I'm scared of something I challenge it right like I'm like okay if I'm scared of the church I'm gonna go make some church friends (laughs) and that's how I operate but um I figure uh it'll teach me something about why I'm the way I am and it'll make me check my assumptions that not all of them want want me in a mass grave (laughs) I don't know if I can, I don't know. You're farther along than me because I don't know if I can go and make friends with those kind of people, but I could definitely collaborate in a business sense. That's, you know, over the internet, just simply doing them a service with my voice. And one day in history, if anybody ever comes across it and realizes that it's me voicing these types of book, they'll get the joke. Wow. Just amazing. (laughs) That was my evil laugh. (laughs) Uh, the asterisk cast uh sarcasm oh my god yeah helping unsuspecting christians hire me uh, right <laughs> so we um, wanted to do this episode to kind of like go over our highlights of the year because like i was saying i had a tumultuous summer and i mean it started off great last year i thought the pandemic was going to be clearing up you know, like this time, exactly last year, I was revving up for a whole new life in Vegas. I was in Phoenix. I was packing up my apartment, getting all my paperwork together, lining up, you know, the the moving truck and just doing everything that is kind of exciting when it comes to moving to a new city. And here I am now, like a year later, and I'm looking back on the year that I've had, and it's been pretty incredible despite everything that's going on in the world. So I compiled a huge list of oh my goodness, I want to hear some of my highlights. And I know I shared it with you a while ago just to kind of like I was gonna say, like, hey, we should probably both make a list and see what we come up with for this episode because it's really good to like let your shine shine, you know, as like we've talked about in other episodes, like it's hard for us to shine because of the communities we come from. And I think we need to stop that and just talk about all the amazing stuff that we do often. Do you want me to go first? Yes. Let's hear it. I'm so okay. excited. You read it. Yeah. So I moved to Vegas. I got the apartment and I've always wanted a huge patio. Got that. I wanted a view of the strip. Got that. And I can still see the mountains and I face the West. So I get to see a sunset every day. Whoa. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's amazing. Keep going. Right. All right. So, and I expanded my radio show connecting with even more like people on a deeper level. So I kind of branched out into almost like a podcast style show that I was doing. So I would interview people and right off the hop, I got like a high profile interview with Ozzy Osbourne's bass player, Robert Blasco. So it just started off from the jump, like really amazing. And that just happened from an intention. I just, you know, took like 20 seconds of courage, shot out an email and I got the response and it worked out. So I did like eight episodes of that, of like deep connecting with the underground community and something that I was kind of scared of. Like I thought I was going to be judged for that. So I did that successfully this year, just kind of like randomly. Um, I released my second vinyl record on my record label, which is huge considering the state of the vinyl manufacturing global situation right now due to COVID. So I did that and I sold out 300 records in like two months, no problem, which for a small indie label run by a Brown girl from like the inner city, like that's kind of huge for me. And I launched my own merch this year as well. So I'll stop there and I'll don't stop. Don't stop. (laughs) Just keep going. That was, that was the hardest rap song you ever heard. (laughs) Okay. So I found a healthier way to deal with my pain and anger. And this was triggered by the findings of all of the children in the graves, like June. We all know what happened, how June to July hit. It was brutal. Like that's kind of how my summer kind of spiraled out of control, but it really set the the motion of me like having to dig deep and find a better way to deal with that kind of pain and anger. Because previously I'd always just like, I would lash out at people online or I would just 
go get really drunk or just smoke, smoke my pain away. But this year I found healthier ways to cope with like generational trauma and pain and anger, which is a first in my 40 years of life, which is pretty amazing. And that also led to more self-control and social media because I have a, a bit of a past of being a bit of a troll and I'm a totally, I totally own up to that. You know, like I had to shut my Twitter down a couple of years ago because I looked back and, you know, I had it since 2009 and just 11 years of like ramblings. I'm like, we got to delete this because this is too <laughs> toxic. Yeah. Wow. So that's some of the, the things that I can highlight for the year. Wow. I got stuck on every sense, you know, I get stuck on intentions, right? And then mm -hmm. I start thinking about goals and then how intentions make good goals. And you can't have a, you can't even, I've, I don't know if I've ever reached a goal that I didn't have like a deep personal intention behind. That's the way I operate. Um, so I get stuck there. And then in all that thinking, and it even goes into like brain science <laughs> of, of how yeah. we are neurologically wired and, and then hormonally programmed, chemically programmed of how we approach and react to all of life's stimulants. But it was an incredible year, but it was also a very hard year professionally it was just amazing to see people uh step up and support the projects at indigenous vision that i'm um leading uh grant makers for girls of color are just amazing supportive people um, in indigenous visions life and in helping us even make these podcasts of and then interview the women we interview the environmental they oh they just gave us $30,000 for <gasps> next year. So that Amazing. is a highlight. Um, and then the EPA environmental justice grant, that one, $75,000 for this. Um, it's a, it's kind of like a sub map project of the Blackfoot place map, but it's to add to the ultimate Blackfoot uh, territory map, which is also watershed assessment tool. We need to know the land of where we're developing in a deeper way than we do. And so I hope that this helps with that. And then we also, knowing that also helps keep our communities super, super safe in that the tea we pick to, to heal ourselves with or to even just exercise well my grandparents drink mint tea every day. And so am I <laughs> like, I'm going to do that too. And so being able to practice that healthfully and carrying on those cultural practices, also making sure my community has, you know, we, that's, that's a big old, somehow it turns into politics is like <laughs> making sure my community has the right to exercise their hunting and fishing rights in our unceded territories, but then also making sure that we have say in the health and management of those animals in territories that aren't like specifically on, on the reservation or the reserve boundaries. Like we, if we have that right to hunt, maybe we should have a right to like how they're managed and stuff. Seems nice, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, spinoff from that environmental justice grant. That was amazing. The most amazing part about all of that, I think, is the the amazing outreach. Like, I don't know if I had to do that much outreach this year because people came to me and they said, don't forget this place. This is important. We did a project like this and this is how it was exploited. Protect your project like this. It's just all of that advice and all of that support and love and, and contribution is just incredible. And I get emotional thinking about it because then you think about like the horrible parts of our community, the lateral violence and the alcoholism and substance abuse and everything like that, that leads to, and we're just tiny, small populations, you know, recovering or maybe even like peeking our heads above the water of this ongoing genocide in our communities. And um, yeah, I can go off on a, like a tangent on each one of my highlights, but okay, I'll keep going. Um, I had two versions of the map launch this year. Uh, one was like a static map. That's just really pretty and, and classroom ready. Um, and then the other map is the interactive map that I've been talking about. And 
uh, we're working on getting audio uploaded, which is going to be happening this Monday. So uh, definitely go back to that map link that I shared and start checking out the new the new updates happening often. Thank you to everybody on that mapping team, Mike Brewsthead, Rebecca Many Gray Horses, Marty Heavyhead, all of the landowners. That's a bullet and a highlight on my list as well as all of the, um, there was, you know, one mean lady I met in particular. She was the one who was like, I'm never going to tell you where Big Lake's grave is. Not even if you're a direct descendant. And I'm like, I just want to put some tobacco down crying emotional you know I don't know why I was so emotional about that one I felt like it was connected to my dream and the map and and I didn't even it wasn't a place I was looking for to put on the map even right like I I don't want to put people's graves like I I either there's some you know I don't know we can go into a discussion about that but I didn't want to find it for that. I just wanted to find it because I was staying most of the summer in an area that was really important to this person and wanted to continue to see his future generations trade and have life in in one of our most beautiful parts of the land, which is the Shoto area. And so I met this incredible woman just by following my intuition and my my guides and my you know those wild hairs that you think are a wild hair they're not just follow through and check it out and see what happens but yeah almost completely dejected from the lady at the museum there was about to call it quits and then I got the wild hair and I ended up driving straight to the house where Big Lake's grave was like you you can't hit me over the head with that harder like i understand and i am grateful and i'm so thankful for that highlight of of having a hard time asking for something and then just having it given to me like that and not having you know i made it much harder on myself my my feelings right <laughs> i i didn't even know i was crying cuz it was like work right and i really mm. surprised myself and turns out that uh, big lake may have been desecrated and um so yeah mm. there might be some some guilt in how she was talking to me but um oh i made the newspaper and the news, Montana Morning News and CBC News. I made the news so much this year, I've lost track. So, so several have I. times, <laughs> <laughs> several times this year, I made the news and I made uh, the newspaper. And um, my projects got that that love and that support from the community. And and the the EPA grant is cool because I didn't have to, you know, I started out at first like doing what I always do is like calling all my journalist friends. Hey, do you have time to write you for write a story? I can pay you. Um, hey, uh, do you have time to write up an article on this? Here's a short write up on my, my disc, like my project. The EPA issues notices to journalists or newspapers that follow and track these stories. Anyway, they called me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to do a thing. And so um, Montana Public Radio and um, the Missoulian here, our local newspaper, uh, contacted me and then wrote the story. And which is really different because, you know, in, in Indian country, we we do the work and then send it to them so that it's easy for everybody. Right. And mm-hmm. it was just so different to have the journalist call me and do the interview and write up a beautiful story and I didn't have to do the work it was like a 15 minute call and I was just so thankful for that it's just a different level of such a different level of of my work I feel like I achieved when they're doing that to be heard right to be seen and heard and and then all of that helps the projects more like the donations always come in after that more community support happens it's just this vicious cycle of beauty and awesomeness and I just love it Um, okay so the landowners and then also um, reflecting on on how I'm dealing with all of this, same as you, how I deal with my pain, uh, disappointment, and anger, and that comes from the sorrow of all of that. And so I have, and I've fallen a lot into my, I've um, fallen a lot into my culture, which is also a highlight over the summer, I received my, my uh, NAMSCA bracelets and my 
uh, beaver bundle bracelets and necklace. And it's a big deal. Like, I feel like my prayers are now supercharged a little bit and I, and it's, yeah. And I've used my pipe more this year to, to pray. And so I just feel like I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a spiritual leader. Please don't call me chief Suta or a medicine woman or anything like that. I'm just, I do this for myself and my family. And, but it's like my, I feel like my prayers were amplified and, and it's like, when you go to our cultural teachings, like the most basic one is light a, light a smudge, whatever you smudge with, with sage or sweet grass or cedar or sweet pine, light a smudge. And that helps, you know, there's all kinds of mechanisms in this world that Western science hasn't proven yet, but like our quantum physics as indigenous people totally understand and amplify that when we set an intention, whether it's an intention or a prayer, and then we put these certain things in our environment or set our environment in a certain way that then those intentions or prayers or wishes or whatever you want to call them are amplified and they're out there bigger than, than just a, you know, clasping your hands and and uh, saying, please protect this, you know, like, there's just, mm-hmm. I just have learned so much this summer about myself and my culture and my spirituality and, and the meaning of community and how people have my back. And, and then, you know, just the culture humility of it all is um, being easier on myself for the people that I am disappointing still in this work, you know, I'm, disappointing a lot of people not doing things the way they think it should be done or but I'm also like talking to hundreds of people (laughs) and and trying to do it the best way for me and everybody else too Mm -hmm. so um, being easy on myself that it's a learning process and the most important part is to just do and act and then use your best intentions and always remember that your best intentions don't equal the impact but you do your best. You keep trying. We call it Igakimon. Try hard. So I, I just that it was an incredible summer. And I just, I feel like a grown woman. Wow. <laughs> That's so beautiful to hear. You know, I also got deeper into my spirituality and I was gifted something pretty sacred, just randomly walking down the street, that turtle shell that just yes. literally blue out of a bush i don't know if you've ever been spent time here in vegas but it's a pretty windy sometimes that's the one thing i noticed right away we have a lot of really windy days so one of those windy days i'm walking in an area i've never been in close to the mountains and a turtle shell just blew out of the bush and landed right at my feet i thought it was alive and i got startled i was like oh my gosh this turtle just ran super fast towards me it needs help and then i noticed that it's like kind of like blowing and moving and rocking in the wind. I'm like, wait a second. And I went closer and it was totally hollowed out already. It still has its, you know, limbs and its face, but it's hollowed out. So it must've been sitting there. And that is a huge cultural item for the Anishinaabe. It's like our seventh teaching. It represents truth and the grandmother. And it's also our moon calendar. And I was like, okay, if this isn't the biggest sign (laughs) I've ever gotten in my life that I am doing the right thing. This is just after I got COVID. I survived COVID this year. So that's another one of my highlights. And then the turtle appeared and I was just like, holy smoke suit. I remember I had to tell you right away. I was like, look what just blew up out of nowhere. And I still have them. What are the chances of maybe the only turtle like that in Vegas finding the Anishinaabe woman walking down the street (laughs) and just blow and not even making this up like it blew out of the little, you know, gentrified bush on like the sidewalk. And I thought this cannot be real. And it's a pretty decent size. Like it was a full you know, like it was, it went to that bush to die probably in the summer and it dried up over the months of the summer. And then here I come in like mid-October walking by and it landed there and I picked it up. And then I was just heading out to the mountains that day. So I took it with me and I, you know, took it into the lake and rinsed it off and like, just let it sit out in the sun for a while. And I just was in disbelief. And it was again, a huge sign that I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do and like connecting with my culture 
just unbelievable. So, so I feel amazing. you on that. Yeah, like it was a it's a big it's a big thing when you feel amplified spiritually by by stuff like that, you know? Yes, yes. And it's just it happens where it's like, oh, people sometimes brush it off as like, oh, it's just coincidence. What a funny coincidence. I even try to like and still stay positive. And it's just there's too many coincidences for it to be coincidence. Like it's just, it's all stacking up and I see it. I see the pattern and I understand the meaning and thank you. Thank you. Keep giving it. Right. <laughs> I accept. I accept. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So I had so many highlights this year. I became officially sober, um, like a hundred percent sober. And it's been almost a month now of like no marijuana, which was my last, you know, really mind altering. I don't want to say the D word, but it was a, a vice that I used for overcoming anger and pain mostly. And just enjoying like enjoying stuff. I love to smoke and watch a movie. That was like one of my favorite activities was to like get blazed and go to the movie theater. Like that was a fun time. So I've been learning how to just live life without it. And it's actually doing, it's doing wonders for my productivity. That's for damn sure. So that I read like the, a record number of books this year. I read 10 books. I think I'm on 12 now, which wow. again, I don't know. I haven't done that. Um, I went to my first podcast convention. That was pretty cool. It was all female led. I saw my family finally, thanks mm. to you. Thank you. <laughs> Another huge highlight for 2021. And while I was there, I felt like I was seeing my home for the first time with sober eyes. And I felt Ooh. the call of the land for the first time in my life which is crazy. Cause then a month later the turtle came and I was like, okay. Oh, okay. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I want to make that our next episode, the call of the land. When did it happen to you? And like, yeah. how does it happen? I never thought it would happen, but it, it finally happened. Um, I got to see your territory this year. Uh, we took a dip in Flathead Lake, which was pretty amazing. The camping. <laughs> and I finally did backcountry boondocking by myself. Yes. I was going to ask you about that because <laughs> it was one of your biggest fears. Is yeah. And you know what? I just drove down to death Valley and like, I, I gave you the map, you know, just in case I got lost, I mm -hmm. sent you and uh, my friends here, Olivia and Grace and my location just in case something happened. But sure enough, the first road that I wanted was available and it was in the most beautiful Valley with like dunes that you could hike up to that were a good four miles away. But I, um, I went down there and I drove down this long you know, really rough road for about five miles, like deep into the wilderness, the desert wilderness. And I thought, okay, this is it, Melissa, you're going to camp here by yourself in the back of this like truck and overcome your fear of, of being in the wild alone mm. with just yourself and nature. And it actually wasn't that bad. At first I was a little worried when the sun went down at first because oh, it was yeah. super windy. It was like, a, there was like a sand blast. And I was like, oh my gosh, maybe this isn't the best weather oh, situations, man. but are, were you in a tent or car camping? Car camping. There's okay. no way I could do a tent at this point, but I was like, <laughs> I can at least can stay in the car. And I did. And when the sun went down, the stars came up. I was like, this is so worth it. And nothing happened. It was completely wow. silent. It was completely beautiful. The moon came out and like lit up the sandy desert. It was it was like something I've never seen in my life. Mind oh, you, geez. I could not get out of the car until the next day. Like I even, I just had my little setup inside because I was kind of scared to go outside by myself, but I still did the camping overnight. And as soon as I saw that first ray of sunlight, like kind of peeking over the mountains from the East, I did go outside and it was still pretty dark. And I thought, oh, wow, I am out here all by myself in this big Valley. I think there was one other people, but they left pretty early, but I was there by myself in this huge Valley. And I slept, I slept all night and I had several crazy dreams and it was just amazing. And then I went for like two hikes and I came back wow. to civilization to Vegas. And I was like, I did it. I wow. camped by myself. So now I'm looking forward to more trips. Oh, that's yeah. I was worried about you. I didn't hear <laughs> back from the one text and I'm like, okay, maybe she's out of range. 
<laughs> Maybe yeah. she <should> plugged. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like I knew I'd be out of service for like the mm-hmm. entire time, mm-hmm. but I was like, I wish I could just tell people like I'm doing good. I'm actually doing it and I'm safe and I'm not scared. And it's actually really beautiful and peaceful. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. I got to the top of this little mountain just as the sun was coming up and I did a smudge and I was like, this is the best day ever. And oh like, it didn't even feel like Christmas Eve, Christmas day. Cause that's when I went and it just goes to show like nature yeah. is on its own, own like system. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what's going on. And I, I was like, I was with it and it felt really good. So I think I had the best quote unquote Christmas ever by myself oh my in goodness. the desert. That's amazing. And that's like, I mean, that was, that's part of my journaling work right now is, um, you know, the, the basic core needs of being seen, heard and, and acknowledged or celebrated and, and um, yeah, it's just, I felt like I was so yeah, I, I digress on that part. Sorry, excuse me. But I was so excited to get your text when you finally came back into range because I was like, oh, good. She took a hike to the, the nearest dune because that's if I had to go look for you and I knew where you were camped, I would be like, she probably took a hike over there. And I'm like, I was right. Yes. Good job, Suta. <laughs> I did. It was hard. Like the desert really does play tricks on you and death valley and you know i thought those dunes were a lot closer but as as i started walking and i got like an hour in and it didn't even feel like i was halfway and i was like this is crazy i can understand how people can really die out here and why they call it death valley because it does play tricks on you like i thought i would Mm -hmm. just be able to walk up to these dunes but they were just so out of reach and like four miles later i'm finally at them i'm like wow even on its coolest day death valley is toasty during the day yeah. Really? So I was like, I'm glad I'm doing this when it's like, you know, December. December, because if it was anything else, I would have had to turn back and I would have been like questioning, like, can I even make it back as far right. as I've already gone? So, right. Right. And it all looks the same. Like it all looks the same as you're walking. Cause it was like a flat hike just to these dunes that you could see oh they're God. halfway up a mountain. And I'm like, when am I going to get to them? Like, Oh my goodness. So I can see how people, maybe the, the pioneers heading West, you know, got caught up in death Valley because it really plays tricks on you. And, and the white sand in the distant looks like water, but it's really mm-hmm. not. So you could spend all that time walking over there and then just die. Wow. What an amazing journey. So cool. I'm so glad you, you con twice this year, you've conquered your fear of of boondocking and now I'm okay. Yeah. I'm not a scared city kid anymore. I'm like, I can handle this. I can do this. So thank (laughs) you for inspiring that. So next year I'm going to conquer even more fears. So I'm jumping off the stratosphere hotel, which is 108 stories. Oh my God. We're doing like, I'm doing this. It's kind of like a bungee jump. So I'm doing that on February 6th. Oh my goodness. That sounds Which is super my, scary. My one year anniversary in Vegas. <laughs> wow. You're going to jump off a building. Yep. Oh my goodness. I've always wanted to fly and I'm scared oh. of like bungee jumping. So that's what I want to do next. Cause I want to eventually skydive. So if wow. I can do 108 stories, I could definitely skydive. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I've always wanted to skydive too, but I'm right. I want to know what parachute. it's like to fly. Yes. I want to yes, fly. Me. I fly in my dreams and I'm like, I want to, I want to feel it in real life, not just on a plane. Like mm-hmm. I want to be in the air with my body. So that's what I'm trying. Wow. I um, tried to conquer my fear of, well, my, with my thyroid, I get inflammation. And if that inflammation like sticks around too long, then I'll get the, like a rapid heartbeat or like mm. some um, tremors in my limbs. And And so that's like a symptom of my thyroid, but then I also was cold and it was getting colder and it was going to be like negative 40 in parts in here, uh, parts of Montana here. And, and I was painfully cold, which is also a symptom, but it's, you know, just my whole life. I've always kind of been like cold. My fingers have been cold and I wanted to challenge that. So I went and jumped in the river again and my son filmed me and the coolest part that I didn't get into the video was he turned it around the camera and said well kids that's my mom <laughs> is that and what I he was, was saying yeah I, I couldn't hear like there was no sound in the video no. and I was like what is he saying 
He said, well, kids, that's my mom. <laughs> He's so cool. Oni is so cool. <laughs> I just love it. It made me that's, you know, my own fears set aside. Like when you make your children proud like that, it's just a whole different feeling in the, in the that's whole world. Awesome. So how did you feel after I saw the video and I'm like, woo, maybe that is the trick to, cause I'm feeling cold too, but it, it definitely was. And so I was scared. I didn't go out as far as I, I would have like in a lake or a river because he was my four-year-old is, is standing on the shore. <laughs> so I went 15, 20 feet away from him. And then I got just deep enough to where if I sit down, it would cover up my shoulders. And I sat down and I tried to keep keep there for as many seconds as possible which was only like 10 <laughs> and, and then I ran back to the shore um, and almost immediately like I just remember feeling it was like cool the water was cool it wasn't like icy cold and I was like I did it's, it wasn't that was the first surprising thing and then as soon as I got out of the water and then the air hit me that's when I started to feel the chill and had to get my towel and when I was a kid we would do this with a sweat lodge. And then my stepdad taught me how to tie a rope to a cottonwood tree and then um, break a hole in the ice in the river with a spud bar. And then you can't kind of dip in there. But that was scarier because it was a green hole next to like this beaver house with a bunch of logs and the green hole, you know, I don't know how old tall I was when I was, was that age, eight years old, but um, I couldn't touch the bottom and I just had to hold on to the rope, right? And not go under the ice. Um, so that's how I was trained, right? <laughs> totally wow. child at risk. Like, <laughs> um, and so I did it much safer this time. Walked into the river where I had access. There wasn't anything slippery. I had wire shoes on that are really grippy and can't slip and fall. Um, instead of a sweat, my seat heaters and my heater and my truck was full blast. And, and I ran back there so that I would not get hypothermia or anything like that. But I think, you know, it, it, it calmed down my, my like painful cold for sure. Like I'm, I don't have any heaters on in my house right now and it's close to zero degrees. Mm. And usually at 70, I'm like, Oh my God, it's painful cold. And that's what I'm going through and like just hearing you do this I'm like I'm gonna have to do this now because I can already feel it inside me like that's a fear I'm scared of going in the cold water but if it really is something that's gonna help and something that probably we used to do long time ago um I should probably just get over my fear and do it just yeah yeah just do it smartly like don't you know plan on walking long distances soaking wet don't Don't dunk your head if you're not sure of how your body will react, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't want to go into total shock and yeah. like, like prepare for your version of, of how you think you'll be shocked. And, and a lot of times your, your mind set and your body doesn't line up. Like I was being trained once as a underground or confined space rescuer. And uh, it was part of my water operator uh, training. And then I had to gear up a full scuba gear, they call it, self-contained breathing apparatuses. And so it's a full mask. It's a two oxygen breathing tanks on your back that are heavy. And then you have like this fireman suit on, you know, the, the work gear. And I had to go into a train cart two levels and save my coworker. And he's a big guy and <laughs> not as big as him and so I'm going through shuffling army style crawl through these confined spaces and and the whole time I'm thinking oh this is is this it this has got to be like people have to I, I guess people need training for this and then all of a sudden I got almost to the second level he's on another and I'm like what is that noise because the whole time I'm in my head thinking this isn't that hard I got it here's his hook I'm gonna go hook him up pull him out put him on the wench like guide his body through so he doesn't get hurt and and I think I passed a mouse floating in the water which is really gross and I'm army crawling through it and and then when I passed that I think something triggered in my body mentally I'm okay physically my body was not doing what it was supposed to do and I started hearing a noise I focused on that noise for a while and holy effing crap hi it was my breathing I was hyperventilating 
I was hyperventilating and I had to stop and, and be like, Oh my God, that noise is my breath. And it was like, (sighs) and I couldn't catch it. And I didn't mentally, I was not aware my body was doing that. And I, and I had the state of mind at least to regulate my body. If you're going to jump in freezing cold water, like know how you react, even if you think you know how you'll react, like prepare for a worst case scenario and then be ready to like get yourself out of it. Cause not everybody is built, but I think indigenous people, it was a practice of ours. Like we were not stinky, dirty people running around. We were cleanliness, um, was really, uh, like a community value for my tribe and other nations and. Mm-hmm. And and we winter bathed, snow bathed, or or just got into the icy water. Uh, I'd be so dramatic, like screaming, <laughs> you know, rolling around for hours, wincing. <laughs> I could totally see myself <laughs> doing that. Very dramatic. I know myself. <laughs> uh, I tried to like train with cold showers, um, but a cold oh. shower is not the same as a beautiful mountain stream or mm-hmm. lake or wherever you go. You know, the environment really helps. Wow, we've done a lot this year. Yes, yes. So if you're out there listening, I hope you are reflecting into a bigger, better version of yourself. It's all about growth and evolving. And I hope you're conquering your fears. And I hope we give you some strength and inspiration somehow to get that fear out of your way. And we'll catch you as we're uh, walking the talk into 2022. Thank you so much for listening to the Indigenous Vision podcast. You can find out more about us on our official website, including how to contact us, make a donation, or play back any of our music radio shows or this podcast. Don't forget to share with your friends and write a review if you've got time. We totally appreciate you sharing your time with us. 